Welcome to Leaving the Classroom. This is a podcast for teachers who are ready to transition out of the classroom and into a new career. Each week, I'll share stories about what I've learned moving from education to the corporate world. I'll answer the most common questions and share my best tips to help you get started. If you are considering leaving the classroom, this show is for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Leaving the Classroom. I'm Christy Oliva, and I'm so glad you are here. Today's topic is a day in the life of a nonprofit instructional designer, and I have a special guest here to talk about it. So today I have with me Pamela Winter, member of Idle Courses Academy and a nonprofit ID. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to hear all about it. So for those of you listening, Pamela shared right before we started recording that she landed her ID role. And so we're going to hear all about that today and um, and her journey. So do you want to just tell me, Pamela, about your background? Like what kind of teacher were you? How long were you a teacher? And then how you found Idol and made that transition, which we can't wait to get to. <laughs> okay. So prior to this, I had had 10 years in the classroom. I taught second grade, third grade, and fifth grade. And my most recent role was in fifth grade English language arts. I taught fifth grade English language arts, particularly with our English as a second language or now called multilingual learners um, arena. Okay. Right. And I had heard about Idol in March. I actually had done the Idol challenge and I realized I was like, oh, this would be a really nice transition out of the classroom. This would give me the time and ability to have the work life balance while still being able to be in a creative space. And so when it Idol Challenge finished and they came out with a program in July, I definitely jumped on that. Nice. And so then you joined Idol Courses Academy. When did you say that was? July. Okay, just in July. And so had you already decided like, I'm not going back next year? Or were you like, how did that go? Because I know some teachers, they're like, I quit and now I'm fire under my pants. Some people are like, I'm just going to keep working. And when I get the role, that's when I'll jump. What was yours? Well, initially I thought it would be a lot easier to make that jump over. So during the summer, I was already looking for jobs while in the midst of idle. Um, one of the things that I did realize was that the job market had changed remarkably from the early ages of the pandemic of 2020, 2021, to uh, currently 2023, where it was a lot more competitive. And a lot of companies weren't really looking to give positions that were remote. So competition for those types of roles definitely increased. That is so true. And I think that's continuing right now. A lot of people are looking for those remote roles. And they're. it feels like they're more hybrid or... Or in person now. I don't mind the hybrid though. I gotta be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you joined in July. I mean, it's mm-hmm. only November. Honestly, even if you were transitioning right this second, that is a really quick transition. So you did really well. So tell me about like what was your time commitment each week? I think people are gonna want to know like how much work did you spend in that time to transition? Well, as a teacher, you know, I was already off for the summer, and so. I committed to this like it was a full-time job. So I wake up in the morning and I did it as like an eight to four type situation. Um, Of course, you know, I gave myself lunch breaks and stretch breaks and I pretty much worked four instead of the five days. And then I did a three day off type thing so that I could get through a lot of my content. And a lot of it I was already familiar with. 
That is, I like that strategy. Obviously it worked for you, but I think it's easy to just like approach it from a part-time perspective. But I love that you did that because I think it probably also prepared you for the role. You were deep in it, like it was your job. And so then you were just able to transition smoothly into it. Do you want to tell us where you work or anything like that? Are you free to share? I am free to share. So right now I work for the American Diabetes Association. And I'm loving that's a huge, it. That's a huge nonprofit. That's not just like yes. a nonprofit. That is a legit, like, we all know about this nonprofit. Good for you. Yes. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. Okay. So your role, your title is instructional designer. Is that correct? It is actually the senior manager. So I have IDs that work under me what? and I go through I'm and I'm the editor. I know oh. it's crazy. <laughs> it is so crazy. Um, definitely, I will say the fight for imposter syndrome is real sometimes. But yeah. You know, I've come to realize that that's never going to stop. And I think that that has to be your comfort level is just every time I go to a new level, like that new levels, new devils. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Um, phrase before. That's what it is. Like, you know, I took this new program manager position and now I'm feeling super scared all the time when it's like, I know, I know I can do it, but Honestly, I just told myself that and it calms me where it's like, yep, don't know, expected that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's also kind of reaching out to your team and saying, hey, I do bring a level of expertise, but I am also new to this particular aspect. What are your ideas? What are your thoughts? Because there is something so humbling about coming in with the perspective of I am still here to grow versus I'm here to know and kind of lord over you. Mm, that's, I mean, I think you, that's not even just for teachers or people in corporate <laughs> forces, for all managers out there. I know somebody who's dealing with that exact thing exactly, a micromanaging, lording over manager, not fun at all. So I wanted to ask you too on that, let's riff on that a little bit where, you said that, you know, you come in with this imposter syndrome. Are you feeling like you have the appropriate support? I mean, I would guess that it sounds like you are because you don't, you don't seem like you're overwhelmed. You're just happy. Cause I think that's one of teachers biggest fears is entering in and they're just like, I'm not going to know what I'm doing. And I know I felt that too, where I was like, they're just going to find out I didn't know anything and fire me. So can you give me your perspective on like, that that doesn't really happen. That's not really how it goes. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. There are times where I'm just like, am, am I okay? Did, did I really get this job? But really and truly, it comes from a confidence within. You have to build that confidence. And the only way to build that confidence is to constantly work at it. And so my thing is, is a constant every day. If you build it into a habit of I'm constantly learning, I'm constantly growing, you're reaching out and you're exchanging ideas with other people within your field, You they come to look at you as an equal and you come to realize that you do bring talents and gifts and unique perspectives that can aid your company or your organization. Yeah. And one thing I've learned too, is it doesn't matter, like even if somebody hold, held your exact role in another company, they're still going to come on and have a lot to learn. And I think we discount that as teachers. We just think you're supposed to just go in and just get it because teachers kind of have to do that. If you switch districts, they're not doing it that much different. You just fit right in. And so I think we've been programmed of like, that's how it's supposed to go when really it's not. Like I- It's learning curves. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm in a new role, 
but it's still pro- a program manager role. It's still at Amazon. And yet they're still just like, take your time, get onboarded, get to know our part of the business. And so I want to just say that for all the teachers out there, like they're a good company is going to wrap their arms around you and make sure that you feel led well into that process of getting to know the company in the new role. So I think hopefully that'll help some people who that's that. I mean, I still struggle with that. It's hard to onboard to a new company. So I know there's no like typical typical days for an ID, right? Every day is so different and you're still pretty new to the company, but I'd love to hear more about like what you've encountered so far. What does your daily, weekly, monthly life look like? Whatever that is for you. And are you remote? (laughs) I am remote. Okay. All right. So So, go ahead and tell us about that. What does that look like for you? Okay. So normally this looks like on a daily basis, I tend to wake up, I'm an early bird. So most of my heavy lifting is done early in the morning from that normally eight to nine o'clock. I like to do emails, respond to anybody, look at my to-do list. I do create my to-do list on Trello. Definitely an idle fave. They they got me hooked on Trello. (laughs) So I kind of go through that. I see where I need to contact. What are my meetings looking like for the day? Staying abreast, of course, on the topic at hand which we are in November. So it's American Diabetes Awareness Month. So with that comes watching social media. So part of my day is I, you know, I look at social media, what am I seeing? What are, what's trending? What are the new topics and technologies? Because those oftentimes are used, you know, within our meetings. And then also taking some time, of course, I have, I schedule my meetings normally between an 11 to two window. Of course, you know, life isn't perfect. Sometimes it's going to be up until four or five. But and when I close out my day, I try to make sure are the three major things on my list that I had to do done for the day? And then is there anything that I need to tie up and wrap up for the next day? Normally, if I message, I send afternoon emails between 4.30 and 5. But because I am one of those people who I know what teacher life is like and you constantly wanting to work after hours, what I do to kind of alleviate my partners or my teammates is I will actually schedule the email to be sent out the next day to avoid them feeling like, oh, it's 4.30 and she sent this and I have to get it done. So I just go ahead and I schedule everything out for that next morning for them to start their days off. Such a good manager already, Pamela. So nice. Oh my gosh. So I have a couple questions. So tell me about like what types of projects your team works on. So right now I am lead on two different projects. I can't say necessarily too much, but a lot of it is collaboration with pharmaceutical companies and looking at different and new technologies that are coming out within the diabetes space. Okay. And then you just educate customers. Like who's your customer base? Is it internal customers, external customers? External. So it could be consumer facing as in your actual clientele, but then also a lot of your pharmaceutical companies and your healthcare professionals. So it is going from having very complex type wording within the infographics to something that's very basic and simple for things such marketed towards your parents or to younger children. So I think a lot of teachers are going to be thinking, but I don't have any medical background. Like they're going to assume you have medical background. So can we just get that out of the way? I don't know if that's true or not. Didn't sound like it, but how did you get a job with ADA if you don't have medical background? Come on, tell us about it. (laughs) The thing is, is you have people who that's their area. That's going to be their forte. But what they don't, don't understand and what they don't know necessarily how to do is how do I take that medical jargon and make it relevant? How do I fit all of that into an infographic without overwhelming the reader? 
So currently, yes, if I was to read a medical document, about three lines in, I'm going to be like, okay, (laughs) and I'm going to put it down. But what can I do? What can I create? What can I assist in creating that would allow somebody to want to sit down and actually read it? It's not a narrative fiction book that's going to grab your attention, but the elements of storytelling is still in there. There's still a problem. There's still a way that we're working for a solution. And that crafting of a story is where I have my expertise and forte that the medical jargon necessarily wouldn't. I mean, that's exactly what ID is, isn't it? Like you are not supposed to be the subject matter expert. You just take all the difficult stuff that they give you and simplify it. I love that. Well, thank you for sharing that because I think I thought that as well is that if somebody had a job in nonprofit or in the medical industry or in the government industry that I was like, they must have already had something that helped them. And I'm sure even the application you filled out, the job requisition may have even said medical background preferred or something. I'm not saying it did, but you'll see that a lot. And I mean, I don't know. Did you let that discourage you at all? How did you how did you approach this job particularly without letting that phase you? So I'm one of those 80% threshold people. And what that means is if 80% of that job description applies to me and I can do it pretty well, then I'm going to go ahead and apply for the job. The other 20% can be learned to be honest with you. And in looking at statistics, we already know as women, most of us tend to shy away unless we've met every little tick on that checklist. But oftentimes what I'm discovering, especially in interviews, that some of these are nice to have. Whereas when we read it, we read it as we need to have. And so I think that's one of the things that really helped me to stand out. I knew that I was strong with project management. I knew I was strong with ID. Those were my fortes. I had the ability to break content down, not only to children, but to people who English is not their first language. And so with that, I understand that within our organization, diabetes has no discriminatory factors. It gets anybody from any culture with any language. And with that comes my uniqueness and my talent and my ability to reach the masses with a language that's easy to understand. I love that. Oh, Pamela, I'm so excited for you. This is so great. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Can you tell me more about the actual application process? You just went through all this, the interview process. This tends to stress people out too. What did that look like? What was the time frame and all that? So interestingly enough, I had gotten into the habit of trying to post some content on LinkedIn. So I was actually reached out to by a recruiter prior to actually applying for the job where she said, Hey, one of your friends actually liked your content and it showed up on my feed. I looked at your profile. It looked really impressive. Would you mind having the conversation? One thing I would say is never decline a conversation. A conversation is a conversation. And nine times out of 10 in talking and listening to the projects that would be involved, day-to-day tasks, I realized that that meshed with not only my skills and abilities, but my passion. And so what ended up happening is that I, when I created content, I created content that aligned to my passion. And therefore, it attracted people who had job opportunities that also aligned to my passion. And from there, I went ahead and I applied for the position after speaking with the recruiter. I had one interview and then a second one and then finally was offered the position. Oh my gosh, Pamela. I'm so, I'm just so thrilled for you because you've always just been such a positive presence in my mentor groups and stuff and, and so helpful to others. And so I think 
it just makes sense to me that you just got this wonderfully perfect role for you. It makes me tear up. It's so amazing. Congratulations. I'm so happy for you. So if somebody was searching out jobs like yours, where, where were you doing that? Where can somebody find a job like that? I definitely say LinkedIn. I am a half and half. So I am look on LinkedIn, of course, for your ID roles and things like that, but also use LinkedIn for a networking service. So start finding your niche. That was the biggest thing that assisted me in kind of pivoting out of education. So looking in ID is such a big world. So to say, just look at every ID role would overwhelm you. And to be honest with you, the month of October, I took a social media break because in going through in the constant of applying for a job and interviewing and having multiple interviews, it got tiresome. So definitely building that tribe on LinkedIn. And then, yes, you can search roles, but this is what I would say. Look at commonalities that you're seeing amongst these roles and make sure that the companies that you're looking at are actually companies whose values align to yours. Hmm. Because that's going to be really important. And to me, that compensates for the actual pay. Because some of these companies will pay a lot more, but what comes with that? Those are things that you kind of really have to weigh out, which is why I am a really big fan of find a company that fits your passion, that fits your belief and value system. And let that be one of those companies that you follow, start making friends or associates, networking with people within those companies, because oftentimes they find out about positions long before it's ever posted on LinkedIn. Yeah. That's so true. And I love how you mentioned networking because you did get a job by networking, but it wasn't what we think of as networking. Like, oh, you reached out to the recruiter or you knew the recruiter or you knew somebody that worked there. No, it was literally you've been networking and somebody that is in your network liked a post, Post, which then makes you in turn, because you're their friend, show up in searches or other things. Yeah. It's it's wonderful how that works. That's what I love about LinkedIn. And I'm sure it's that way with all social media, but for LinkedIn, we can use it to our advantage. Definitely use it. Another thing I will say, the creating of content. So remember how we have our do it messy challenge, right? The concept is Put yourself out there. Start posting things that you're passionate about. And that's what I did. So Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, my goal was to be on LinkedIn. That Those were my top three days. Simply because looking at data and analytics, those tend to be your busiest days. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So Monday, I would create a cute little Canva infographic. It might be something that's thought-provoking, that deals on a topic that interests me. And then Wednesday, I would take some time to kind of comment on some of the other IDs, posts that I saw, making sure that you're interacting with those people within your niche. And then Friday, I would take time to kind of go through and see, let me look at some jobs here, there, and everywhere. You don't want this to be your full-time job because trust me, it gets hectic really fast. And if you go to the point of where you're saying every single day, I'm applying for all of these jobs, by the end of the month, you're burnt out. So I did Monday content creation and release Tuesday interaction with other people on other people's pages, looking under comments of some of your top ID people. Sometimes they don't necessarily interact back with you, but their followers interact with you. And after they've started seeing that you've liked and you've interacted with their stuff a couple of times, you'll also start popping up. You can probably send a little connection and that's how you kind of gain your followers that are within your niche. And then just being positive. I love that, which you definitely are. And you know what, Pamela, you need to be like an idol mentor or something. I got to be honest. Um, (laughs) I hope you consider that. But I think 
what I'm getting out of this is you were so successful in such a short period of time because you were organized and you had a plan and then you worked your ass off. I mean, that's really what it is. You had a plan and you executed and it worked for you. But one thing I think I have to say, go by discipline, don't go by motivation because there were days and I'm not going to lie to you. I woke up and I was like, I don't really feel like posting. I don't really feel like messaging. Ooh, I overslept. I could just wait for tomorrow. But that consistency in addition with the algorithm, working off of discipline versus motivation, motivation will wax and wane like the moon. Discipline and that consistency will get you where even sometimes talent won't. I love that you say that because, and I think that's why, again, you're, you organize, you set a schedule. You said, this is what I'm doing on Mondays. And that's the difference between people who are like, I'm going to do something every day, but they didn't set the hours. They're going to do it. They're, they didn't mm-hmm. say how many, like it's, you have to make it tangible where, you know, you were able to check it off that day. And so I think, again, that's part of your success. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but it just feels that way <laughs> that you were super intentional about your time, how you were spending your time and how that was going to contribute to your goal. And then it worked. So there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Definitely. Well, if you um, had to pick three skills or more, just give me a couple of skills that you took with you, your teacher skills that are now just serving you well, or that you see are going to serve you well as you continue in this role. Organization, number one, teachers, we are kings and queens of organization. So that's definitely one that works. Another one, discipline, understanding that this job is not going to be something that overnight you're just going to be amazing at. And we tell our students that we don't expect you to be amazing the first time you try something. But it's that consistency in building. You want to look for that progress versus necessarily achievement. So as long as you're going through and you're making gains, you're going to be fine. And taking that mentality and that attitude is definitely one that'll help on days where it feels kind of hard. And then I think my last skill would be flexibility. Because as a teacher, you know, we wake up one day and we have our game plan and fire drill, um, parent-teacher conferences, like something called the classroom. (laughs) So you have to really learn how to be flexible, take things in stride. Don't take yourself too seriously. Own up when you make a mistake and find a way to correct it. Those are great ones. I think autonomy, that flexibility and and not autonomy, like where you just don't know what's going to happen next. I think you need that in the corporate world. I'm sure the nonprofit, just Mm -hmm. the business world. And I don't think we realize that we have that as teachers, we are able to just adapt and just be like, okay, you want me to drop that project I just worked on for a week? All right. I mean, we're able to do it because we've had to do it so many times. So many times where we've, we've been working on something we're like, okay, we're almost done. And the boss comes to you and says, Hey, change your plans. We are now working with this project. You you can do it. You have to shift that mind frame because a lot of this is going to seem a, a lot, very similar. So yeah. what you do? Uh, the difference is though, the respect for me. I mean, I know that yes. can vary from company to company, but there's the respect with your time, respect professionally that you're just going to get your work done, <laughs> respect, at least at my company. Again, you know, I've been having conversations on LinkedIn lately of other corp- of corporations that do check. And again, I know somebody yes. personally right now that like if they, if their Microsoft Teams goes to yellow, they're immediately getting a ping, like what's going on? And it's like, dang, you know? But I do think that overarchingly, we have more opportunities as teachers to not have that anymore outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, Pamela, I got to tell you, I think so many people are going to be so interested in your story and really want to reach out to you and get advice. So what is the best way for people to do that? (laughs) Best way to contact me definitely is my LinkedIn page. I definitely do check that quite frequently. I am going back now into December. I'm going to go back into posting content just because, you know, I have to keep my feet wet and kind of further challenge myself. A lot of new changes have happened with a lot of the programs that we use, be it Canva, new things are popping up every month. And so to stay abreast on all of that, I definitely believe in just practicing, practicing, tinkering, however you call it with your platforms, because that's honestly the way how you get better. So true. Well, Pamela, I'm just so thrilled for you and so thrilled that you were able to come today. Thank you so much for coming. And I'm sure we'll be in touch, but I can't wait. I can't wait to see what, what what's next for you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Do you want to leave the classroom and become an ID like Pamela? Well, at Idle Courses Academy, we help you build your professional portfolio, revise your resume, prepare for interviews, and give you valuable feedback on what you design. Sign up for Idle Courses Academy using my code, Classroom100, and get $100 off enrollment. It's time to take control and make the career change that will change your life. It changed mine. See you next time. That's all for this episode, but you can find more at idlecourses.com or subscribe to the podcast. And if you are ready to leave the classroom, use my code CLASSROOM100 and get $100 off enrollment to Idle Courses Academy. 